0: ye shall receive power. A man by the name of Bob Keck has written a book on the spirit of synergy. The spirit of synergy. And in that book he has one chapter that is worth the book and worth the price of the book, of the book. And that is a chapter that he has to do and is dealing with this power that God has given to us and that we can lay hold of and make our very own. It is a very excellent chapter. We do have the words. Oh, what marvelous ability and capability we have when it comes to talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the scriptures. You can find the man out here on the street that seldom, if ever, goes to church and yet he can talk to you in a half-way of an intelligent way about the Bible and about the Scriptures. And then, of course, we name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we who have committed ourselves to Him say that we do belong to Him, and indeed we do, and that we are part of His kingdom and part of His family, and indeed we are. But the question comes then, what about the power? What about the power? What about the power? We have been told by those who are in places of leadership and of great learning within our society that we only use about 10% of our ability and capability. Now, beloved, if there's any business place within our, society, within our city or our society that only use 10% of its capability would not be in business very long. You take this big, massive piece of earth equipment that we see here going up and down the highway in front of our church, in fact, like the smaller one that we had here on our church property yesterday, leveling some of the dirt that they had given to us. I watch those things with fascination because of their great power and what they're capable of doing. If that piece of equipment only operated and was using 10% of its capability to do the work with It would be nothing more than jock, and would be useless and worthless to those people who have the contract to see that this road is made into a highway in front of our church. And yet after I've said all of that, I do not think that we have to make such a point about the situation because most of us know when we check our own heart and soul uh, that we are not living up to our capacity to be the person that God intended for us to be when he called us into creation. And, of course, the tragedy of the situation is that some of us honestly wonder if there's any other way for us to live than in the frugal way that we are living. We wonder if it could be really so. Could be really so. That there is power, unlimited power, at our fingertips. You know, our forefathers used to sing an old hymn and somehow or another they left it out of our hymnal because I think that they thought maybe the tune was not quite what it ought to be. I'm not quite sure. But the name of it was, There's Power in the Blood. And the first line of that to him went, "Uh, Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. And then that fourth verse. Would you do service for Jesus your king? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's power in the blood. There's wonderful power in the blood. And then of course the... You know the course. there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Well, what in the world were they singing about anyway? What were they singing about? Well, beloved, they were singing about the one and the same thing that is mentioned within our scriptures today. I believe that they were talking about the being effective as people who were dedicated and committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were talking about the same thing that Keck is talking about in his book as he talks about this awesome power that is available for you and for me. But you know something? Was Jesus just talking When he said to his disciples that he needed to go. When he was talking about his death and saying that he needed to go in order that the comforter might come. That this comforter would come and and do through us greater things than Jesus was able to do. Now is the Lord Jesus Christ just talking, is the scriptures just saying this to us? Without any truth is it or is it a real possibility that this is so? In our scripture this morning, he is saying to us that you will receive power. You will receive power. Well, I have committed myself to Christ and I have been baptized and I have stood before God and before his people and I have made certain commitments and I'm conscious of all this, but where is the power? Where is the power? Beloved, this power is available to you whether or not you sense it or not. You may not be able to feel or have any feeling at all in relation to the Ohio River. But it's a fact the Ohio River is there and still flowing. Whether you have any feeling about it this morning or not. I am not quite sure, but was it the Tennessee River that was impounded in order to create the the, uh, Kentucky Lake? That massive body of water? For eons of time, that river had been flowing not until our lifetime are those who decided to harness uh, this dream and make it produce energy like you wouldn't believe. That's a fact. You may not have any feeling in relation to it at all, but that is a fact. Keck claims that the reality of the power is here. And if you have committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you sense it or feel it is beside the point. Though for your sake it'd be good if you did so. But that does not neutralize the fact that this power is in the world today. It is a matter of you taking charge of it. You know, every morning I usually pray, and after, after reading this book from Keck, maybe I'm praying the wrong prayer. But you hear me quite often say, ask God to give us that portion of His Spirit that we need in order that we might be able to be that disciple that God wants us to be. Would it not perhaps be a better prayer to say to ask God to help us to lay hold of that power and accept the responsibility for it in order that we might be able to be the people that we ought to be. You can be the channel through which the power of God flows in a most marvelous way if he will only take charge of it. It's here. That's a reality. When God left, he said it was come. We have evidence of the power being within the world today. It is here. That is a fact. Now what are we going to do about it? Will you be that channel through which the power of God can flow? I was talking to a minister a friend of mine the other day. At preachers' meeting, in fact, the church where we held our meeting, they had just concluded a great tent revival. In our preachers' meeting, the minister there told us that how fearful he was of having such a tent meeting. They have a beautiful church and a beautiful sanctuary, but they decided to have this, bring this tent in, and and have a have a, an old-fashioned revival. And he said he was quite concerned whether or not his people would accept it, whether they would attend, and so forth and so on. But he said they did attend. They did come. They did respond. And he said in the course of the week, uh, under the leadership of uh, the evangelist and the Holy Spirit, that there were families who were united again. There were people who had stopped speaking to one another, started talking again. Forgiveness was asked for, and forgiveness was given. Harmony was restored and people were saved. Evidence of the power that the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about when he said, and you shall receive power. But you know the truth of it is, when I check my own heart, I know that there's some resistance against accepting responsibility for this power. Uh, that uh, has been given to us. Because, you see, we're mighty comfortable the way we are. We're mighty comfortable the way we are. And when the Lord Jesus Christ talked about difficulty and hardship when he was here upon this earth, you remember there was a great group of people that were following him. But the scripture tells us that when he began to tell them that there would have to be some self-denial and some difficulty and hardship, that they walked with him No more. You see, taking responsibility for what is yours and greater power might just mean that you're going to have to be more of an open person than you are today. We'll have to take some responsibility for the church and for your family and for your community and for people that you know, that you love and that you live with. There's a book that has been written, and I just bought it the other day, The Private Future by Martin Paul. Every one of us ought to read that book because of what he's saying and his prediction. Now, I do not necessarily agree with some of the conclusions that he draws, but he has drawn a picture of us with words, the way we live in this modern world like you wouldn't believe. And you see, the truth of it is, it is no need for us to go outside of the home anymore in the cool of the evening to be cool because we have an air conditioning system and we retreat to the confines of our home. It is no need for us to go outside the home to be entertained anymore because we have our own TV set. There is no need for us to go to the grocery like people in days gone by used to go because we can do it once a week now and that's sufficient because we have refrigerators and other ways of of keeping our food fresh there's no need for us to communicate with anyone in relation to transportation for by and large every one of us have our own car the conclusion that he draws that we will continue to be more private than man has ever been before and we will draw within these homes of ours Uh, to the extent that when we shut the door it means that we have shut the world out community and everything else that goes with it. And his conclusion that he draws is that by and large this will be the thing, the deadly thing that will destroy us because we will continue to retreat more and more and more to this inward being until at last we will accept responsibility for nothing within our community and within our society. He says it is a misnomer to say today that we have a society or community that it is no more a community anymore because we do not participate or take part in it anymore well it's something for us to think about we will hesitate to accept the responsibility more responsibility for this power because it means certain things that we might have to do I remember a man at another church and as I was talking to him about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, No, that he would accept no responsibility for the church, nor did he want to be any closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked him simply why, and his honesty was devastating. He said, simply because that if I begin any more religious, if I get any more religious than I am right now, Jesus may ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Well, there it is. Right there. Do we really want to accept the responsibility for this power that God has given to us? We hesitate. We have been told so long, and we have believed it, that we are failed beings. We have been told, and it sort of trickles through to us, that we're not much within our society and don't intend to be much. And we are told that this society of ours, if you listen to the TV and the other ads and things that appear there, Uh, That we live in a hostile world and everything in it is out to get you. Every bug and everything that creeps and crawls is your enemy. And you need to exterminate it. And they've got just exactly what you need to exterminate this world in which you live. Well, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture reveals a person to us that is a fantastic being. That is a fantastic being the head of all of God's creation. And then we try, or say that we, to do what uh, we really ought to do, we get a feeling that we're trying to play the part of God and act like God. But I would remind you, the Apostle Paul didn't think it was so bad. Because you remember, the Paul said, for me to live is for Christ to live. Now isn't that wonderful? And beloved, that's a, that is a possibility And it is yours for your wanting and for your desire. For you to live is for the Lord Jesus Christ to live because you have this awesome power at your fingertips that we know as the Holy Spirit. But we hesitate because we don't want to act like God. Isn't it interesting that we can walk and we can stand upright and we can talk we can fix, we can dream, we can build, and we can do fantastic things. And no one thinks in terms of whether we're trying to usurp the power of God or not. But let someone tell you that uh, you, by the way you think, you can control your heartbeat and your blood pressure and a million g- other things. And let someone tell you that you may have healing within your hands. And someone tells you that you have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ flowing through you. You can do some fantastic things. And then we hesitate. We hesitate. God gave to you life. How you respond to this life, beloved, is up to you. Totally. And completely. There's two stories that I think of or... Two of my favorites. One of them is over in the Old Testament. It's only just a few lines of it. It says in one time when the people of Israel were overrun. And the shield that they had within the temple. there were symbolic shields that they kept in the temple. They stood for something else other than just fighting equipment. In all probability they were overlaid with gold and silver and precious stones. But they were stolen. They were taken. And it said the people of God though they didn't have gold and silver, to respond to this tragedy, they made for themselves shields of brass. I like that. They didn't give up and say, well, I can't give the best, and so therefore this, that, and the other. They created for themselves shields of brass. And then I like this modern story that we have heard time and again from our youth up about the uh, the two boys that... uh, wanted a horse so bad. Just wanted one real bad and and had no way of getting one. And and they would uh, look everywhere. And one day they were visiting this old barn. And one of the boys uh, said, let's leave this place because it is so smelly and, and it stinks like a horse. Let's get out of this place. And the other little fellow said, no. Said there must be a horse around here somewhere. Now, The same smell that told one boy to do one thing in life was the same smell that told the other one that I know that there's a horse around here somewhere and I'm going to look until I find him. Now, there's a story that was published in the English Journal on Medicine. And this story is told by Norman Cousins, the editor of the Saturday Review that uh, most people have heard of and have seen on TV from time to time. This is a true story, and he tells it himself. He says on December the 23rd, 1976, he returned from Russia a very sick man. In fact, when he got off the plane here, he had a temperature of 104 degrees. They took him to the hospital. And after the learned men of the doctor profession had looked him over and said he had a disease from which that only one out of about 500 ever ever recovered. In fact, when he said when he pressed the doctors, the doctors told him that not in their experience had they ever been in contact with a person that ever, had ever recovered from the illness that he had. He said, one day when one doctor had checked him over and left the room, he left a note for the other doctor. And when this doctor went out of the room, he read the note that was left for the other doctor, and the the note said to the other doctor, I am afraid that we have lost Norman. He said, when the other doctor came in, that uh, he pushed him to the place where he confirmed that it was a grave situation. And in his experience, no man or woman had ever recovered from this illness. Well, along about that time, someone put in his hand a book, or a little before this, The Stress of Life. The Stress of Life. And somehow he got in his thinking that if this was caused because of stress and frustration and negative feelings, Would it not be a possibility that if he changed his thinking, changed his thinking, uh, that this would reverse itself? He persuaded his doctors, though they were reluctant, as he says, to do it, to let him move into a motel close by. He had uh, those who were assisting him to get some film of the Marx Brothers. and candid camera. He said he went off of all medication. He found that if 10 minutes of laughing and amusement would free his body of pain for one hour. He said he began to fill his mind with all the positive thoughts that he could. He began to think of peace and of love and of tranquility and happiness. Begin to think in terms of people that he cared about and, and wanted to express something to them. Begin to think in terms of his life being an expression of something other than than frustration and just living. He said slowly but surely health returned to him. Completely and totally. And it is the testimony of this man today written down. That at this hour the doctors say that he has no symptoms at all in the form of illness that he had think of that it's astounding and it is amazing coming from not a preacher not a man steeped in theology but coming from an editor of one of our leading magazines a changed mind a changed thought laying hold of the creative power of God. What it can do for you and for me. Beloved, the greatest sin, I am convinced of this, the greatest sin, one of the greatest sins that you will ever sin will be to think of yourself as being weak. The greatest sin that you can ever possibly commit is not to take charge of the power that is with in the world today and that is at your fingertips and God intended for you to use it because he created you. The greatest sin is not some of these other things that you think about but the greatest sin of all is not becoming the person that God had in mind for you to be when he called you into existence here upon the face of this earth take charge of your power and make your life make sense. And beloved, let me say to you, if you will take charge of this power, and it does call for responsibility, that your life will make sense and this world about you will begin to make more sense than you ever believed that it possibly could. God has given to us life And he has said, I am going to empower you to live it. But the way you live this life, beloved, is up to you. What today will you choose? Oh, our God, help us today to make the most of our opportunities before it's too late. Amen.